Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, episode 114. Bam, how about that? All right, we start off today with big news from the weekend. As most of you know, the U.S. Senate passed what's called the Inflation Reduction Act. We'll debate that title here in just a moment. That there's several parts of the bill, with one being a 15% minimum tax for corporations making over a billion dollars or more in income. The move is expected to bring in more than $300 billion revenue. I wonder where that revenue is going to go. But it's sparking widespread debate. Yeah, not widespread enough. Here's the former U.S. comptroller, generally speaking, with CNBC. Play that sound bite. DJ. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Frost. You know, there's no question that we're going to have to have comprehensive tax reform that generates more revenues. We're going to have to reprioritize discretionary spending and reduce it. We're going to have to end up reforming our mandatory spending programs. We're going to have to do it. But this is not the time. We, we have inflationary pressures right now. We have very slow or negative economic growth, uh, bipartisan agreement over years that this is not the time. To, uh, to, to raise taxes, although ultimately we're going to have to. Well, on the podcast today, we have Eli Freeman. Eli's here. We got Matt Walters. Guys, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Man, that sounds good, right? Yeah, we got a bunch of marketing people up in the Senate. <laughs> it's like, hey, what's the biggest problem that most people will like? And we'll just call it that. I mean, I've, I've, that had to have been part of the conversation. They painted a turtle pink. <laughs> <laughs> Inflation Reduction Act, and if we everybody's watched the news, and there everybody's saying even the uh, whoever organization that does all the numbers, uh, I guess it's the budgeting accounting office or whatever, right, right. says it'll have an infinitesimal amount of impact on inflation. That means a little, just in case you didn't want to, you want to know that. <laughs> I thought you made that word up. <laughs> all right. So what what's some of the parts in this bill, uh, Matt? Yeah. So some of the bill. Uh, $300 billion in energy and climate reform with a goal of lowering greenhouse gas emissions by 40%. Now, so you said $300 billion with, with a B. With a B. Yes. Yeah. So how that's going to make bread and milk go down over the next six months, I have no idea from an inflation standpoint. I mean, I some of these things like that, for example, I read that. And it's like, hey, is that something that we want to invest in over the coming decades? Sure. I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert enough to, to debate that, but is that something that's going to be like the number one budget item in an inflation reduction act that's going to help in the short term? I don't, I don't think so. An interesting part of that too is that they're giving tax credits to people who purchase electric vehicles. So it's supposed to be a $7,500 tax credit, but it only applies to about 20% of the electric vehicles that are made in that are sold in America today because of all the stringent rules. So yeah. there's a bunch of fine print yeah. <laughs> within it. And even if it does lower the greenhouse gases by 40%, in a worldwide view of it, 
it's not going to make a hill of beans difference. So, all right, go ahead. That's my two cents worth. What's the next piece of it? Yeah, so then you've got the the it, bill allowing the federal health se- secretary to negotiate certain pri- uh, drug prices with Medicare or for Medicare. So that sounds, I mean, again, not an expert on that. That sounds like it could be a positive, right? I mean, I'm all for But so if they do negotiating. Do negotiate that and if you're on insulin, let's say, and they negotiate a price and said this is it, um, who's going to pay if it costs more than that? Somebody's got to pay the difference. Where's it going to come from? Yeah, but I mean, insulin pl- prices here in America are higher than everywhere else. I mean, that's that's a persistent problem to uh, make it Lipitor, whatever the drug is. Uh, it, it, there's I've read a lot on that as I'm the older guy here on the drugs. Thank goodness I'm not on any drugs, but uh, drugs cost something to to make, and if you can negotiate the price, then. What if they don't carry the drug for you? They don't Medicare. Then you're you're hosed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now for that. Yeah. Then you get into arguing it now. All of a sudden, like force them to sell it to you at a certain price, yeah. which I think is your point, right? I mean. Or they don't say, you know what, Matt? It costs too much. You don't need it. You just got to go without. Yeah. And if you're that sick, you just go ahead and die. And that way, it won't cost us anything. I mean, a lot so. of times, I think we all know, like politicians. You know, they they present things for, on the surface of like, hey, we're going to negotiate the price of drugs. Never try to explain the the practical aspect of what that actually means, the details, right? Yep. And so they're just trying to sell a certain kind of um, approach to a bill or a high level point, but it never. When you get down to the details, it never is what it is. Just like the three hundred bi- billion. I mean, what is this total package, this spending bill, or what was it? Like four six hundred billion, something like that. The the spending's supposed to be four hundred billion. They're the saying that the revenue that they're going to raise. It's seven hundred and forty billion. So four hundred billion, and then like three hundred of that is going to this first line item we talked on, the energy and climate reform. But it's called an inflation. I mean, that's a perfect example of putting a pretty wrapper on it and trying to sell it, but then not really explaining how is this going to impact inflation. And so I think you could say the same thing on that second line item. You know, the negotiating certain prices for drugs for Medicare and think, you know, well that sounds great, but what's the practical side? How's this going to help? Lipstick on a pig? Yeah, okay. lipstick on a pig. <laughs> All right. What about the $2,000 out-of-pocket cap on prescription drugs if you're on Medicare? That sounds good. That may get you some votes from some senior citizens, right? Yeah. But to your point, Mike, who's going to pay for it? I mean, it's either is Medicare just going to pitch in and pay for it? Well, who's funding Medicare, there right? Where is that money going to come from? Are you going to negotiate prices down so much that you're, t- again, circling back, you know, People just stop, companies stop offering prescriptions to Medicare because they can't get paid for it. So I don't know the ramifications impacts. I would much prefer the word negotiation versus cap, meaning that, that it's a business deal that, that drug companies are coming saying, hey, this is what we can sell it for. This is this is what we need to do to, to keep operations running instead of, hey, there's a $2,000 cap. You can't go over that. Then it goes to where's it where's it coming from next? If you if you have ten thousand dollars in prescription, I mean. It, Back to my point earlier, Matt. It, what if I hit that two thousand and now they say, well, Mike, you know what? You, you've reached your limit. You don't get any more. Yeah. I mean, is that rationing Medicare or rationing medical services or prescription drugs? I don't know where this is going. I mean, we're ta- we talk about cl- to clients. You know, you hear about Social Security and how long will it be funded at its current levels, right? And how long will 100% of benefits be paid out. And you know, Medicare's, I mean, financially got to be just a disaster when you start digging into it. And so 
to keep adding these kinds of provisions within the – I mean, it's – how is it sustainable? I, I really don't know how you start – you know, I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, the idea of saying, hey, there's a $2,000 out-of-pocket max for people, I mean, that's probably hugely impactful in a positive way for a lot mm -hmm. of people out there. So, you know, I, that's phenomenal. But we're – I mean, we're slowly – we the more we do this, right, the higher taxes have to be. The more – I mean, that money and revenue has to come from somewhere. I just – I get worried any time that something goes from pretty free market to very not free market, meaning that, that choices aren't being made. It's – you're capped. You're, you're yeah. limited. You're restricted. Anytime that happens, I, I start getting worried. All right. So one more provision of this, there's lots of provisions, but one we're going to talk about is, you know, they said they're going to have a minimum 15% tax on corporations that make over a billion dollars. Well, on top of that, if they do stock buybacks, they're going to put a 1% tax on top of that. So Walmart, you know, they do a lot of buybacks. so They can give it to their executives and things like that. Every time they do that, now they got to pay an extra 1% tax. What's that going to do to the average joe maybe maybe i just don't fully understand how buybacks work but a one percent tax on buybacks is going to be like if you bought a stock yesterday versus today and the stock went up one percent matt do you see something much different than that, that i mean the, i know there have been a trend i mean you know money has been so cheap for so long like share buybacks have been a really really big deal over the last five ten years because um, companies i mean they could go out and literally they could say hey i can borrow money for almost free and just buy a bunch of my own stock, right? And that can really have a big impact on the stock price. I can see both sides of the argument on share buybacks. I'm ultimately one that always leans towards, you know, let companies, boards and executives and employees run those companies, not the government, setting a bunch of rules and telling them how they have to operate. And I'm a firm believer that companies exist to drive benefit and value for the shareholders of those companies, right? And so... That may sound, you know, I know there's a lot of pushback on that, um, but a company doesn't exist to um, benefit the employees, technically, just by textbook, right? It's the owners of the company, right? Which a lot of these, a lot of these companies like Walmart, the owners of the company are a lot of the employees, right? They give out huge stock incentives, not only to executives, but to, to many, many of their employees. And so share buybacks, the price doing well, the stock price doing well benefits a lot of people not just the three or four setting up at the C-suite, right? It's, it's hugely impactful for a lot of our clients who, you know, have been working at some of these companies for 30, 40 years. They, they're very dependent on some of these companies' stocks doing well. So 1%, is it all that impactful? I don't know. I don't know if that makes buybacks, you know, come to a screeching halt. But I would probably lean on the side of, you know, let's just leave it, leave it alone and let companies operate you know, in a free market, let them do and drive value where they see the, the mm -hmm. most value. And another thing that I'm interested to see is the 15% minimum tax on, on the corporations. The, the key word to me there is on income. Because right now, the co corporations that are paying less than 15% minimum tax, they're doing that through legal means, meaning they're, they're writing off their expenses, they're amortizing, they're, they're doing it legally. Right. So are they just changing the laws around how they can write off ex business expense yeah i don't know i don't know the details of how they're mike so well i don't know the details but here we are in you know some people call it a recession and now we're going to add taxes onto the companies the biggest companies that are hopefully employing more people right that just seems counterproductive to me. yeah we're going to add taxes 
in a increase in a in environment where rates are increasing, so it's more expensive than it has been in years to borrow money, right? In a time where the GDP has been negative for two consecutive quarters. So like we talked about in the last podcast, um, anyone throughout our history would call that a recession up until the last couple of weeks where all of a sudden that's become a debate. So yeah, I do. it does seem like just interesting how they're stacking some of this stuff on top of each other. And, um, you know, we'll see if, Mike, you mentioned this before we got on the podcast, you know, this passed the Senate. It's not technically law just yet in its current state. Um, you know, Democrats hold the numbers to be able to do a lot of this if they want to and push it through. But we'll see what the House does and if there are many changes mm-hmm. that get done before it gets passed. So, yeah, we kind of been poo-pooing this on the, this Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, they should change the name. And it will be voted on probably this week by the House. Hopefully there's some changes to it, and you know they'll do something different. But it's likely going to pass. If it, My sense is if it wasn't an election year, this never would have been called the Inflation Reduction Act. It would have been called the climate and health care or something or the other, right? But it's we've got midterms, so they're just desperate – I mean, both parties are guilty of it, but in an election year, you're just desperate for good news. And and when you're in the middle of a recession and you're dying for some good news, you'll just call it whatever you need to call it. And they could have called it the new, new Green Deal. Yeah. But <laughs> Inflation Reduction Act sounds better. Okay, let's move on. How about the jobs report? Some good news here. That had an odd impact on the market last Friday. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics reported that the U.S. added 528 thousand jobs a half a million jobs here in july far better than expected and unemployment is down to 3.5 percent three and a half but the markets temporarily went down likely due to the concerns of how the fed might react take a listen to what one strategist told yahoo finance you know while we've been saying you know the fed is well priced the data really remains more pertinent than pertinent than uh, than ever, and you know there is certainly risk of higher incremental hikes at the September FOMC, which is you know sort of what you're seeing reflected in the S and P price action this morning. This sort of good is bad mentality, if you will. Okay. Also worth noting, this is one of the key data points for anyone saying we're really not in a recession. Recessions, we've mentioned this earlier, typically means declining profits of companies, leading to layoffs. Usually does not get better until the economy is already in recovery. The exception was 2020. Unemployment peaked the same month the recession ended. So, you know, here we got jobs growing, but technically we've had two quarters with negative GDP. That's what usually was called a recession. But here we got this crazy unemployment number that's adding a half a million jobs. How you guys square that? Well, I mean, I just I, I look at it as, you know, it, yes, we're in a recession just like we talked about the generally accepted you know way to define it we're in a session it looks different this time we're coming out of a we're still in a lot of ways over the last two years we've been coming out of the 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 world when you think about what happened i mean the world we just froze in time in terms of i mean people had to stay at home nobody could leave their house i mean it's almost hard to imagine what it was like two years ago it seems like it's been forever we're still coming out i mean so adding jobs and getting back to you know, had that not happened, some of these job numbers wouldn't have been as strong over the last 12 months, right? Because we wouldn't have got, we wouldn't have been at such a high point from an unemployment standpoint. And so 
I think it's just different. Like certain timing is different every time you go through a cycle, whether it's a business cycle, economic cycle, market cycle. And so the, the employment um, situation is hitting us in a different, you know, from a timing perspective, different than it has during other recessions. I still think we're in the beginning of a recession and I still think that doesn't mean unemployment has to skyrocket. Right. So I think all can be true. I think one thing that they're looking at is if you look back, and I don't have any statistics in front of me for this, but if you look back to, to recent recessions, all of them are, are paired with unemployment rate, at least increasing, mm-hmm. that, that jobs are losing, whereas we, we doubled expectations for new jobs that, that are coming in. And it's just an interesting thing for economists to look at and say, we're in a recession, maybe, right. <laughs> and, and not sure. And it, it, it was interesting. It, the Friday morning was when that job report came out, and I get bagels every morning or every Friday morning. That report came out, and I thought, well, that, that's good news. And then I got into the office and started reading articles about the futures and, and what was going on in the market, and the market was down. And it's just it's an interesting place to be where good news is it's not necessarily good news, just like the the or the good of bad mentality that was talked about in the sound clip. But it, all we're looking at right now is inflation. If, if we can get inflation tamed, then, then the economic outlook is much better. And right now, any, any good news towards job market, cash flow, people getting raises, that's bad news for inflation. So it's just an interesting time. Well, Eli, good news is coming because the, the Senate just passed the Inflation Reduction Act. So it should address <laughs> what you just said. So we're in good hands. Great. <laughs> All right. So jobs report's good. Inflation Reduction Act, mm, depends on what side of the fence you're on, if you think that's good or not. Uh, but here locally, you know, we talked about unemployment. We did have some news last week coming out of one of the largest employers in the world, Walmart. Uh, what news was that, Eli? Well, Mike, the news came out last week that, that Walmart was laying off around 200 employees, all from the corporate office, so all most likely here, here in Bentonville, where, where we're based out of. And if you've never been through a layoff yourself, uh, and I have, it is absolutely no fun. If you're one of the 200, you're kind of wondering today, like, what is going on? What do I do next? Uh, and if you're one of those, or you know one of those that got laid off, Please have them give us a call. We can help them walk through next steps. Like, what do you do with your 401K? What do you do with your stock grants? Uh, What are the tax implications of all that? We can absolutely help you walk through this. And, again, personally, I've been through that. And, again, it's no fun. And you have lots of questions and a lot of fear oftentimes. And a lot of times, I think Walmart's offering a severance package. And we can help you how to manage that as well. So, but what does that mean when the largest employer in the world is laying off 200 corporate employees? Matt, we had this conversation this morning. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't see this. It's unfortunate. So let's start there. I mean, I don't, it's never fun or, you know, you never want to see anybody lose their job, right? But at the same time, Walmart employs a lot of people. I mean, a couple million people, 1.6 million people, something like that just here in the U.S. And so anytime you see a company like that lay off a, you know, a, a certain number of people. It's not all that. I don't think we need to take it as like panic. Um, I haven't seen anything that's been like, you know, um, sweeping across corporations everywhere where we're mass layoffs. You know, we haven't gotten anything like that. So I ho- hopefully with these 200, peoples here, 200 people here locally, you know, they can find new jobs, whether it's in Walmart or somewhere else and quickly get back on their feet. Um, 
but I don't see this as overly concerning. I'm, I, I know Walmart. They they lay off. I mean, the reality is they lay off a lot of people all the time. Almost right? every year they have some type of layoff. Yeah. So so I think this is probably more of just hey, we've got a certain part of the business we've gotten a little a little fat in. Right? We're a little overemployed and we can run a little leaner. And there's other parts of the business that are growing that we might need to still be hiring in. And so they're they're shifting that around. So. And some of those employees, they are offered a chance to get a job still within Walmart. They have X number of days they can right. do that before they actually lose their job. And one thing for sure, if you're one of those people or you know someone or have been through this or you might go through it, if you do get laid off, one thing you do not want to do is take a full distribution of your 401k and put it in your checking account. You will get a tax hit on that that you will regret. So... Before you do anything like that that you cannot undo, talk to a fiduciary financial advisor to help you walk through those that, that minefield you're getting ready to go through. All right. Well, guys, we've talked about Inflation Reduction Act. We've talked about jobs report. we talked about Walmart layoffs. Anything else on your hearts today? No, I think that was good. I mean, I think the, the last week's podcast, this week's podcast, the trend or the theme has kind of been like, you know, Thing, interesting times, a lot going on. You can't always say like, you know, one plus one equals two in these kinds of situations because when when you think that to be true, the opposite happens. And so um, I think things are still relatively good and there's reason to be optimistic um, going through the rest of this year, but still a lot of, um, a lot of balls up in the air and things to kind of um, navigate through. So it'll be, be fun to see how it all unfolds. And another thing on top of that, if there's news articles or, or something going on that you read about and you want us to at least discuss or, or mention it, we have, an, we have an email that you could shoot an email to. Send us the news article. It's podcast at Mach1FG.com. And, and we're happy to, if, if it's something that could be applicable to everyone that listens to this podcast, we'd be happy to discuss it. Yeah, or if you have questions or anything that you want to hear us discuss, talk about, um, shoot, it, shoot it to that email Eli just mentioned. Yeah. And one more thing is going on right now. School's getting ready to back in session. So we've got kids going to school. We had the tax-free weekend this weekend. you got teachers getting their, their rooms ready. Uh, and moms and dads dropping kids off at college and crying and cheering at the same time. So uh, all that's going on as well, which usually helps the economy, too. Hey, for the sake of my commute, I recommend we do virtual school forever. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of my community, virtual Walmart forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up for today. Thank you for joining us today on the Mach 1 Market Moment. we love for you to join us next week uh, when we have another topic. And before we end, we always like to end with a thought of the day. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into into place. We look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. 
SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit Mach1Financial.com disclosures.